The executive summary of this week's episode can be summed up with the words of two of the 20th century's great poets and prophets, James Baldwin, who taught us, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced, and Lauren Hill, who asked us, how you gonna win when you ain't right within. This is Jews Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy. A weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. So I did this card reading before we started. Uh, and I got, you are epic. Three cards jumped out. You are epic. What's your honest truth? And the sacred flow of yes. Um, and the one that really jumped out to me is, what's your honest truth? And I've been thinking about this theme lately and I, I think we've spoke, I think I've spoken about it a bit on the show before. And to me, that is simply and most complexly, um, most complicatedly (laughs) the, the foundational, uh, in my, from my perspective, my, my sense of the foundational element of success in a partnership between various organizations and me and my team is, are you in a place where you can tell me the truth about what's happening Mm -hmm. so that we can design solutions and the truth about not just what's happening in the external space, but also what's happening for you. What are your concerns? What are your fears? Because to me, it's actually not the racism in and of itself per se that is the stumbling block. It is what remains unsaid that is the the elephant in the room or the you know the the undercurrent of dynamics that are hard to look at or admit. Um, and. I wish I had a magic wand to be like, you know, you need feel no shame. This is normal. There are historic contemporary reasons why you feel that way, but it's fine. And I already know these things. You're yeah. not going to likely tell me anything that I haven't already seen. And the sooner we can name all of them, then we can actually like, if you have a racist, high earning board member, you should probably tell me that so that we can begin thinking about how to work with that, how to work with that person, how to work with that reality, how to think through things rather than taking time to do a program that there's no way Yeah. in Ghani Den, what, you know what, there's, there's no way in trying to think of some, you know, and I don't want to say hell, there's no way in meets Raim and wherever, <laughs> Drew, whatever, wherever you want. In this There's world. no way that it's going to, you know, yeah. <laughs> Alam Hazet. <laughs> and Alam Hazet, thank you. That, it's going to work. And that's essentially what's happening. That's pervasive I, throughout our whole community right now is that I think we're not naming the bolt, the actual things out of shame, out of pretense, out of any number of different things. I think sometimes though, it's, it's not being named because it's like, even the person can't see it or, or chooses not to see it. Like they're not yeah, even always conscious of before. it. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, and I, you know, some of the bypassing that people, we see. From clients, um, I don't think it's conscious bypassing. It's not conscious avoidance, but there, yeah, it's that I'm sort not, of like I'm not buying it. <laughs> I 
I hear you. Yes. But that to me is a very white dominant framework perspective of an, yes, one individual, but in an entire organization, no one has a sense of somebody like on a whole executive team on the board. There hasn't been, comp- these things do come up. I think I, I hear you to a certain extent, but I think at times, but in my experience from having been in executive and leadership roles within organizations, I'm not someone who's a magical eyeballs or a super magical brain that's seeing things that other people aren't seeing. I think part of it, but may still be this. So this might actually ultimately be your point, right? And I might, and I might be nuancing part of your point and trying to meet you. Not that we have to always meet, but like in that now, the thing is, is that I choose because of any number of reasons, my um, resilience, uh, my analysis for my education and professional training, I have a sense of what to do with it. So I keep looking at it and I keep analyzing as opposed to looking at it, feeling overwhelmed, shutting down, turning off and moving on. But these things aren't, it's not like, again, like I, I want to go back. It's not like I April has the secret magical glasses, you know, that, yeah, yeah. that you know, and to me, it's not that different than like maybe it's helpful to note. Like I do agree with you that I think that not everyone sees everything, but these things are known. Um, I think that it comes back to. I mean, it, it's your the, your magic wand metaphor, and this comes back to the, what we always talk about about the good bad binary, right? And folks are just unwilling to. Put That's a part that, of it. That board member into the bad, into the bad column. There is no bad column. Like that's that's your point. I, I think that's part of the real or some of them are wisdom of joyous but justice. All, but they don't want to put themselves. But they don't want to put themselves in the bad column because they are afraid they can't either. Feed, they want they need the money, <laughs> and or they don't. You know. So you know what I mean? Because I think a number of folks are like, yeah, or you know, we know for instance. Um, we should put a trigger warning for this episode, you know, that this person, this prominent donor who funds this big program has a history of harassing young women on our staff. Like these things are known. Mm-hmm. They're not, um, they're hidden. And I want, and I, and so what I want to shine a light on here is because there are ways in which I'm liking how the light's hitting me. If you watch the video, the, the shades have like this like zebra effect on me, which is fun. Um, but like, I, I just want, it's not either or, and there are ways at times that folks for different reasons don't fully get it, or I don't have all of the analysis, but people are usually around and someone's around and the story gets told of like, did you hear what Mr. So-and-so, did you hear Mr. So-and-so ask so-and-so to sit on his lap? Or to give him a massage, like these aren't whether so, or or when they're looking at bringing this person on, they likely look at their giving history and know that they are funding. It's and so to me, I think part of it is the good bad binary. That's where I was going, and then, and then the other part of it to me is ar- around is related to some of what we're going to be talking about at this point. By the time this episode airs, we will have already run this class and made certain decisions in terms of how we're thinking about talking about the E in the Shema process 
around emotional awareness, expression, um, embodiment uh, of of our thoughts and feelings and emotions, and emotional agility. Mm-hmm. Right, because to me, that's actually the distinguishing factor is part of it. Because when I think of clients who they are able to do this, and we are able to do phenomenal work because of it, they still kind of feel badly about it, but they have whatever set of life experiences or were personal work they've done or additional help they've gotten that enables them to come with me with a slightly heavy heart and say, April, I'm not, I don't know how to put this in a pretty bow, (laughs) you know, or, or how to say this or even what you might say, but I think I need to be honest about some resistance that's showing up in this context. And I don't align with it in terms of my values and I'm feeling and, and also in light of other variables, I don't think we can give up this funding yet. And they often, and what's interesting though, is that when clients come to me with this, they often, they fear, they often will say, or it's visible that they fear that I'm going to be like, up. you are no longer a worthy client. Mm. This is over. Like your social justice leadership card is pulled. And instead (laughs) they get this reassuring, like, ah, mazel tov. You've named these things. This is the first step. These are things that we can navigate together. What we ignore, what is that? What we resist persists. What we try to avoid festers. Right. And actually us bringing our thoughtful, loving, mindful attention to this and taking it out of the shadows and just laying it on the table and bringing your mind and other team members' minds together we can start to think of a variety of options and strategies. It's like the Bald- like it's, a- <laughs> it's like the Baldwin quote, right? Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Yes, James Baldwin. Yeah, and and what I want to say to our community is our community isn't immune to just this kind of like human condition that um that our secrets weigh us down and our secrets aren't so secret anymore as racial mm. justice continues to strengthen and evolve in the United States. Um, and we need to go through uncomfortable parts of the journey, but actually if we work with qualified, thoughtful, holistic folks, and there are folks like that, um, I think Joyous Justice does this incredibly well. Um, Imani Chapman and her team uh, do this work really well. There are leaders, you know, my uh, professor, Barbara Love, who's in a slightly or related and also slightly different field of, of folks who have um, professional and academic rigor and training in this field, have years of experience, and, and it looks like different things for different people and have done their own work so that they have done extensive healing work and they have capacity to hold difficulty and still feel rooted and support a team in navigating through it and facing it in a variety of ways, because we've done the work we need to do to be fluid and have a full cup of resources. So as folks need different things, it can be tiring at times, but we, we have what it takes. And, and so it's, it's more of like, honestly, what I'm trying to say here is the facing it is actually part of the hardest part. And people think that it's that actually getting into the work is going to be as difficult, but it actually usually isn't. It's getting over that initial hurdle and starting to work on it. Please. Right. You just said like done their own work and that really triggered for me, um, brought up some ideas and, and thoughts 
in terms of the patterns that we see in organizations of the folks who are like, well, that has nothing to do with me, right? I'm an accountant or that has nothing to do with me. I'm, you know, whatever, whatever the job is, like people don't see it as inside their scope. Uh, they don't see DEI work as inside their scope, which is, <laughs> I, I mean, like when, well, well, mm. you and I have used the metaphor of fitness to help kind of make plain that it, it takes everybody. Um, like with our chief fitness officer who's hired to help make the company healthier. Meanwhile, people are eating cake and, not and even questioning that. her qualifications. We are all in the United States and this is explicitly, it's also a global issue, but this is something that was particularly cultivated and manifested in the context of the United States. So anyone who is operating in the United States when the United States has not done a collective process to heal this and where systems and structures of systemic racism are deeply steeped in systemic racism and our organizations are interacting with Mm -hmm. all of those institutions. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I understand why a fish would say water doesn't affect me because you don't see it and it's constantly everywhere. But like, like beyond what you're saying also, like any institution that is in the United States that has Mm -hmm. people who are living in the United States, this is something that we need to collectively account for and get better at and do our part to collectively, courageously, creatively work toward a better union, which it is very obvious across the entire political spectrum that that is not happening right now, that we made a lot of progress in different ways and that there is much, we all can collectively agree, agree, not necessarily what that looks like, but that there is work that needs to be done. So, yeah. And particularly relating to racial justice. I think that this is key. And for organizations, it's not actually just about racial justice. To me, what the benefit of working on any adaptive issue of this level of complexity, the value of this for organizations is that it strengthens every individual who's a part of this, their overall analysis and uh, capacity to evolve and adapt And to do what is right and to live and lead from deeper integrity and interconnectedness, which affects many other things, everything just about. Yeah. Yeah. What's that thought? I'm pensive. No, I'm just, I'm still thinking about that, that person, that type who says, you know, well, that's not my problem. But even still, I want to, I'm, I'm just right now, I'm in a mood to push back against the noise, like anything an institution does where the leadership and the key leaders are clear that it's important. There's a variety of people who don't initially value it. And what's interesting to me about some of these topics as it relates to justice and healing and, um, doing the right thing and uh, working for massive shift in ways that when all of the numbers, when you check out everything ultimately is for everyone in, is in everyone's best interest. Like a minor thing, like fill in finance in accounting, not aligning with it is not a reason to say, Oh, well we, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't hire a director of development. Oh, well we shouldn't, we shouldn't take care of fire safety because Susan and HR doesn't like the fire drills. We do it anyway, because it's important. (laughs) And being able to appreciate and um, operationalize um, 
the dis the discontinuation of dehumanization um, that is racism in daily and institutional life is a very worthwhile endeavor. And what I want, the thing that I, among many things that I would love to clear up is that the work is here. The work is in your organization and within you and finding a team and experts with whom you can work who help you do the foundational work with your team around how your team is operating, um, your different policies, how you're able to remain accountable. So that you're not just hiring folks because that's, as we know, not my favorite first step and a number of folks are doing that. And it's just honestly, it's not just causing harm, but it's, it's just, it's not a healthy dynamic when the organization hasn't been willing to do this work because they often focus externally either on specific issues and things. But the reason why this persists is because it's internalized within our institutions and within us. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not either, or we need to be working on all of these different things, but we need to be working in a way that accounts for this. And I see people constantly searching out there, searching for the magic program or the magic staff person to hire, who's going to fix it. And this is a yeah. team. This is a roll up your, our sleeves team effort. Yeah, process. I, I I see that a lot as well. That sort of um, pointing at other places for where the work needs to be done. You know, like right. the board just did a training, and then and then they're brainstorming about ways to uh, integrate racial justice and diversity, equity, and inclusion work into the organization. And they're like, "Well, let's let's do a program, right? Let's write an email." Like it, it's it, but it's always sort of that outward facing, not always. I, I see that as an impulse. Like it's the first, the first thought is, you know, well, the rabbi should give a sermon. We should send it on email. We should do a program you know as opposed to like, the like internal work. That's not the first thought. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or in some ways it may be, but then it's like immediately like, mm, avoid that too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's way too yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I know I've written it before that part of the good, bad binary comes out where people see, you know, really uh, extreme radicalized white supremacy. And um, then think about themselves and are like, well, well, those are different. That's not me. And that's true. And it's like, a pyramid, right? Where the, that radicalized white supremacy is up at the top that causes violence or calls for violence, but it's supported by all of the polite, (laughs) polite versions of white supremacy that, you know, make up the base of the pyramid. Um, and we, we, we can be bolstering and enabling that radical just by our everyday polite, (laughs) white supremacy as we continue to perpetuate it and live it in our lives, in our institutions and in our, um, interactions. That that's something that I think is related to what we've been talking about here, about the personal work and the, the work in here that needs to be done. And I'm 
in the heart for those listening. Sorry, I'm patting my chest. <laughs> my parents' dog, Quincy Jones, Baskin, I don't know if you can hear him, but he seems to have yeah, seems I can hear to, him. a strong agreement with you. And I would say it in the reverse, which actually I really love. And I haven't taken a lot of time to map this out, but I just feel it in my bones and it aligns with all of my analysis and learning and training is that the reverse is true too, that people think that those folks in different ways because of our history and things have so much power, Mm. but there are so many more of us who are just complicit. And if we did that internal work and not just internal, but leadership work to own this stuff and start to shift it, a number of those elements can't be maintained in the same right. way, but it specifically needs to come from what's not been done to what's been done today is ignoring and saying, I'm not a part of that. No, it's all on a continuum is, is really transforming and being like, no, I'm a part of the pyramid. And as opposed to denying the pyramid and being like, oh, I'm over here doing this. No, actually being like, let's deconstruct and or reconstruct. Um, Cause I'm really here for, loving and powerful and justice focused revolution and not always necessarily for burning things down. <laughs> Cause I think often like when it's just well, I think that- the rage revolution, I think we end up, we can end up perpetuating different patterns just for yeah. iterations just of them as opposed to healing. Yeah. As opposed to healing. It's like your point and about constructing and reconstructing. It's like your point about the stone, because if we're talking about deconstructing and reconstructing, the stone itself is not is neutral, right? It's neutral. And, and so if we can remove it from the, what is, from the, the mortar foundation the, that, that is, that mm-hmm. is put together in, um, in unhealthy ways and then rebuild it in healthy ways. Yeah. I, I think so we're that, not going that, to let this stand. We're not going to let this stand, but there's, but there's beauty in here. And my grandparents were part of building this thing. And I want to take that I want to leave their fear, but they did something and my people and my family members and different facets of society. I am proud of those things. And there was goodness and there was love in those things. And let's take those things and reconstruct a different understanding of what it means to be of European heritage in 2022, 23, 24, 25. What does it mean to be an American as I continue to learn about our collective history. And I not just learn these things academically, but reintegrated into the stories of my youth. And how do I tell stories of America that talk about both the pain and the trauma and the incredible courage and honesty and work that people have been doing throughout to maintain our humanity in the midst of dehumanization and, and have a collective process around this and, and our country, um, the United States, if it has any chance of survival, um, it needs to do this. And so this is work that isn't going anywhere. And I noticed that there's been sort of a, the, the dial was moved a bit, but there's still some foundational complacency and deep fear, which is why we're rolling out the Shema program, both to deal with acute and also longer term 
courageous leadership and challenge is how do we have a model that helps us incorporate not only phenomenal leadership and managing our mind in exceptional ways, but accounting for historic dynamics that honestly, a lot of the time, both initially are overwhelming, but actually are a relief of like, oh, all this dysfunction actually isn't me or even my organization. This is the context within which we're operating. So we can start to name this and notice that it isn't actually us and start to move and work with it and be like, what is us? And this is here in this space. So either how do we remove it or how do we account for this and transform these dynamics? And, and so it's amazing to me through historical, deeper historical analysis and healing in different forms, whether it's deeper healing or healing in more conventional, uh, everyday ways of just listening a bit more and sharing more ideas and creating more space for a diversity of perspective and a diversity of help and assistance. Like the benefit of doing this work is initially it's hard, but as you continue to heal, it's like anything else. As you start to remove certain things, you're making room for better, healthier, stronger things <laughs> that don't quite have momentum yet. But if you nourish them and give them momentum in the coming years, will leave you in a much stronger place where you'll look back and be like, I thank God we did that. That was terrifying to take on this deeper, courageous work, but I can't imagine like, I can't imagine not being in this mm -hmm. strong place now where we have these kinds of programs and not even the programs, the conversations we're able to have and the things we're able to stop doing. And the people and, and were able redo. to serve. And the people were able to serve in ways that we never imagined mm -hmm. because we started being able to leverage talent from people who we already engage in and people we don't engage on our team right now <laughs> that we haven't even tapped yet. Yeah. All right. So I think, why don't we stop there for now? It's good to be back with you, Tracy. It's yeah. Good to be likewise, back with April. <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right. All right. Much love. Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkRacialJustice.com, where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time and stay humble and keep going.